Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 193. This is an episode in our special series recorded live from the Podcast Central at Build. We bring you the best guests for some of the best announcements. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. We are now talking to Yina Arenas, Principal Program Manager on the Microsoft Graph team. How's it going? Hello, guys. How's it going? I know it's it's day three, and like I know everybody's kind of losing steam. <laughs> I know it's one of those moments where you're like in a downhill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you had uh, you had a, a really cool part in the uh, in the keynote, so it was really it was it was an awesome demo. So I great did. job on that. Yes. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about Microsoft Graph here. So I guess I think where where we should start because there are still some people who haven't used the Microsoft Graph or they've looked at it in the past and they haven't looked at it recently. So like, let's just kind of start of like you know a quick recap on what the Microsoft Graph is and what the capabilities are. Absolutely. So Microsoft Graph is uh, a unified REST API endpoint for developers to use to access to all of the data that customers have on Microsoft Cloud services whether that is Office 365, Windows, or enterprise mobility and security. So it's a REST endpoint. You have, obviously, to authenticate because, uh, you know, it's user's data. We have the highest standards for control and management of user's data. So users grant access for applications to uh, interact with that data. And then as a developer, you can build cool applications that take advantage of all of the capabilities that are on the Microsoft 365 platform. Awesome. So uh, you talked to us last uh, about a year ago. What's been new in this past year? Yeah. Oh, man, a lot of things new. <laughs> like uh, we we ship constantly things, new things on the Microsoft Graph. Uh, let me let me try to highlight a few. Uh, one, of course, is uh, the activities APIs uh, coming new to the Microsoft Graph. We announced them last year at Build for supporting consumer accounts. Mm-hmm. And this year, uh, the last year that we're in preview, this year we're taking them to general availability, supporting both consumer accounts and uh, organizational accounts. Okay. So if you're an enterprise developer that is building now a Windows app or is building um, iOS or mobile application, Android, um, and you want to get activities in the timeline, then you can make a simple request to the graph and get all of your activities in there. That's one that is pretty cool. So I'm assuming get and or you can get them and you can push them into there. Of course, yes, okay, you can perfect. get them yeah. and you can update them. Yep. And uh, another one that we added recently is the security API. So we Microsoft has a lot of security offerings and partners can also participate in this ecosystem. So we have new APIs that allow you to get access to all of the alerts, uh, security alerts are your, across your organization. So you, you can start making insights about what is happening around uh, security prompts and. Security security alerts on, on, on the organization. That's another one that has landed recently. Teams. Teams is one that we added uh, by Ignite. Uh, we have the capability for creating teams, for getting access to channel messages, to uh, creating channels, uh, the full lifecycle interaction for the Teams APIs. I mean, there's a ton and ton of things that are um, coming into the graph. We're constantly adding more things. Another service that we just added for Build 
is the, the bookings APIs. Mm -hmm. So bookings is a service that we have as part of the Office 365 offering that uh, is targeted to small and medium businesses mm -hmm. that are managing all of their booking appointments. So imagine that I am I don't know, a beauty parlor or um, a dentist office, and then you're managing the bookings that they have with all of the different customers. Mm -hmm. So we have new APIs that uh, allow you to interact with their service. Um, yeah, those are some of the some of the new things that are coming in. I that, mean, it's like it. so many services and services adding data to the graph that is just uh, yeah. amazing. It's just yeah. mind blowing to well, see. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it shifts from like in, in the beginning. It was probably like, hey, you know, you, you kind of start from nothing, and then you sort of have to pull in the, these different services. And I assume now, like the one the services that are missing. You know, like they're probably like, yeah, they feel left out now. Yeah. You know, they yeah. sort of stand out if they're not part of the graph. You know what? Uh, <laughs> I have been working on the graph since the graph was an idea. Yeah. And uh, it started with uh, SharePoint, Azure Active Directory, and Exchange. And how did we, um, as we were transitioning from on-premises services to the cloud, how we... Uh, bring forward the ecosystem of developers that were yeah. already developing on on-prem solutions. So we started doing all of these different things around standardizing on REST APIs mm -hmm. because the different services had different patterns. Uh, you know, some of them had SOAP-based APIs, other ones had only had PowerShell mm -hmm. commandlets. And so we started working on like building REST APIs. What does it mean for doing API design? So we started starting working on patterns uh, for doing API design. Uh, consent and authorization models, permission models, and all of those things. And we did it for these three services, what, like three and a half, four years ago? Yeah. And then it's just like you're saying, at the beginning, it was very uh, grassroots effort. And uh, we were kind of knocking doors and different teams to say, like, hey, come participate of this thing. It's going to be eventually a huge thing, the, the graph. Even, I mean, from the beginning, uh, we didn't name it like just an office, the office graph. It was like, I wanted it to be the, the Microsoft graph. And, you know, with that vision that it was, I was going to have multiple and multiple services. And it really transformed to what you were saying from us kind of knocking mm -hmm. doors to the different teams to now the teams, everyone wanted right. to be part of it, right? Like, and it's a um, huge value proposition for the developers because one of the things that we've done is not just putting everything on one single endpoint, but really thinking about the designs of the APIs. So if you come in as a developer and you learn how to interact with one data set, like, for example, users and groups, then you can translate all of that knowledge to, I already know how to work with files. I already know how to work with messages. I already know how to work with security alerts mm -hmm. because the patterns that we use for the API design are consistent across, right? So yeah. all of that knowledge basically translates and the amount of time that you have to spend, you know, learning those concepts just like, it yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we really take it for granted because I remember before that, I mean, let's just be frank, like it was a mess. I mean, you go to you go to service A and it's like, oh, we'll return XML. You go to service B, here's how you authenticate and we return this other <laughs> weird thing. And um, yeah, so I remember some of those early discussions actually. Like I, I actually was on some of those email threads where, where we were talking about like, you know, just unifying those things. And it's just yeah. awesome seeing this thing grow up and turn into what it is. Indeed, so. indeed. It's just like for a developer, it was a little bit of a brain surgery to interact yeah. with our services, right? It's like, and it used to be that we, uh, we had very specialized developer ecosystems. So we had like, you know, the exchange developers and the SharePoint developers mm -hmm. and the developers that interact with just with Windows and they don't like merge with, uh, with like interact with each other. But it's no longer the case, right? Like with our cloud-based services, you know, 
our data is all over. The experiences are merging across many different things. So, for example, if you're interacting with a group, a group has membership in the directory. It has a files in SharePoint. It has uh, conversations in Teams, mm-hmm. right? Like it's all of these different experiences that are across many different services. And you as a developer should not have to worry about where that data is stored or, like, you know, having to figure out different authentication models to interact with the data. So that's a lot of the work that we've been doing with the graph. It's just like getting together uh, all of these different teams across Microsoft to um, bring new patterns and practices around API design, standardize on how do we do authentication and authorization, and get all of these data in a way that developers can easily consume. Yep. So speaking of data... So I think one of the cool things that you demoed, which I guess we talked about this before the show, like it's actually been available for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like years and years and years ago, I've always wanted to do this and there was never a great way of doing it. But in the demo that you gave, um, it was basically you had an Excel spreadsheet and like Carl was mentioning, like Excel runs the world, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> yes. Like it, it actually runs a lot of different business processes and like even like uh, companies will like use it for like pricing calculations or whatever, right? And and now you want to have, let's say, a website, and it has to like use that pricing calculation. And and I know specifically, like Carl and I have actually get, been given one of those spreadsheets, and you have to, and it's just like, hey, turn this into code. And um, I've actually even looked for like libraries to like, can I use some of those formulas? And like, it never turns out well. <laughs> and I always I always wanted to be like. I just want to like push some values into Excel, let it do its magic into that exact spreadsheet. Read the values back. And then read it back. Yeah. And like that was the demo you did. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so like, can you kind of, can you kind of walk us through that? Yes, I mean, that's absolutely. So, cool. so like you're saying, Excel is such a powerful tool and it just powers uh, so many organizations around the world. Like we wouldn't think about, you know, it is a very sophisticated tool, but you yeah. know, you would think that, you know, organizations around the world will build their own like super sophisticated things. Like a lot of people are just using Excel out of the box and then using some customizations on top of it. And uh, so the scenario for the, the demo that I did in the keynote was you have the finance team that is working on the budget models. And they, of course they're working, they breathe and leave every single day on Excel, right? Like, and then we have, an entirely different team on the company that needs to send them updated information and needs to have all of the latest values that they have on the budget. So instead of having, like you were saying, to reproduce all of that logic in code separately, you can use the Microsoft Graph to read and write and interact with entire Excel object model. So all of the things that need to uh, happen is that file needs to be stored in SharePoint and OneDrive. Of course, it needs to be in the cloud. It needs to be addressable for the graph to be able to access it. And then we have an entire uh, API set that allows developers to interact with the worksheet, the well, the entire workbook, the worksheet, the ranges, tables, charts, all of the functions. Uh, all of that capability, you can, you know, just to the level of like setting values and formats and all of those things on an Excel cell. And you can do that remotely mm-hmm. and read that information remotely. Just like you were saying, it's like very simple way to interact without having to rebuild all of that logic on your own application. Yeah, I remember a decade ago, some people listening, I think will probably relate to this. It was like a decade ago, uh, maybe even more than that, when you had to do it through like the desktop version of Excel. And yes. uh, I don't know if you ever had to do the that. Interop, yeah, the and and, uh, and it was basically impossible to close Excel. <laughs> it was yeah. it was always terrible. I remember I, had I, I bet that there are still people that have machines yeah. running with Excel yeah. just to have the uh, 
dot x exactly. running all the time exactly. so that you can have you use the PR uh, DLL to do the yeah. calculations and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, they have a path forward. They have a path forward. <laughs> yes, absolutely. They have a path forward. That's great. So you were also talking to us earlier about uh, a new way to distribute uh, JavaScript user-defined functions. Can you, uh, you know, explain what those are and what makes you so excited about this distribution method? Absolutely. So um, to give you a little bit of context, I'm going to take you back several years where office development was basically you build a BBA macro that travels with a document. And if you're in a large organization, you put that macro in a file. One, it's there's some security concerns about that. And then two, um, if there was a bug, you had 100, 200 copies of that file all over in your organization. And you had to recall all of those copies and then ask them to like yeah. make the fixes. You didn't happened. know like which yeah. file had the fix versus not and all of this. It was an entire mess to manage the life cycle of that, of those applications or those uh, BBA applications or COM-based applications. Now, we have been investing in a new model for extensibility in Office. It's a web-based model that all you have to do, all that the document knows is of an XML file, is a manifest that points to your service. And then your service has all of the logic uh, and that uh, basically Excel can invoke that functionality when it runs, right? So... What we have enabled now, uh, we actually has, it has been in preview for about six months, is that now you can write custom functions. They're written in JavaScript and they will basically implement your own function, your own, uh, your own logic. And then you can invoke them and you can save them in a namespace and a custom namespace. So like what I was showing yesterday in the keynote, is it, it's a user defined. Well, it's not quite a user, a developer will code it, like, right? Like, so the the definition. (laughs) I never even thought about that. That was really poorly named. Yeah. UDF (laughs) is user defined function. So we're still like, well, it's not quite an UDF. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a DDF. It's not a DDF. Like, Yeah. yeah. JavaScript DDF. <laughs> We're still figuring out. We definitely like, work the, at Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> well, naming is such a hard thing, yeah, right? So, um, so what you can do now is you can write uh, your JavaScript code. Uh, in in you can also call your internal web services or web services available, you know, publicly, and then package that and deploy it to your organization. So it's central. Uh, you can, uh, through, through a uh, functionality that we have in Office 365 that is called centralized deployment, you can make it available to a user. So for, for example, you just want Carl to be able to access this functionality, or you can make it available to groups in the organization. We just want to make it available to the finance team or to the data scientist team or whatever, mm-hmm. or you can make it available to the entire organization. And because the code is centralized, you don't have the problems that you had before of like having to chase down all of the different copies of the file that had the code and then uh, fixing that. And the other cool thing that we have with this is that we've built a connection to Azure ML. So as a data scientist, you could build your own models in Azure ML and point the, the functions to that, to those models. So in Excel, you can start, you know, within, within the Excel application, you can point to an Azure, to a, a Azure ML model that is running on the cloud and then bring that data back into Excel. Yeah, uh, so it's like operationalized through Excel. Yeah, really exactly. Cool. I mean, it's like back to the, that's where people spend their time on, uh, yeah. they're familiar with, mm-hmm. so not taking them out of that context and bringing that powerful yeah. functionality is, to it. Is that the only way that you can distribute JDD, uh, 
whatever they were. <laughs> now these these uh, defined functions was that the only way to distribute them? Then is like is centrally, or can you can you still do it the old way where it travels can, with the spreadsheet? You or? can you can do it in a way that so basically what it points is to a web service, yeah. right? So you can do it in a way where you site load them. Okay. on your own okay. uh, and then you can do it also on an organizational level basis like yeah. as a developer you will sideload that in, right like in order right, to try right. it and all things like that yeah I was thinking yeah. of like ISV solutions where the the, 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 the the software company like they have to create a function and then they have to ship it to another oh, enterprise we also have the store right so oh, we also okay. have a oh, global so you can store. The store right yes oh, so okay well done we deal also <laughs> have, we also have a global store where you know developers can, sum, can submit their add-ins we call okay. them web add-ins and uh, you know they're available then as any other you know okay, users perfect. can go into the uh, built-in store uh, front UI that we have uh, in the clients like in Excel and Word and PowerPoint and they can find this functionality Reagan provides full stack error crash and performance monitoring for tech teams whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, a product manager drowning in bug reports, or you're just concerned you're losing customers to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com. Get up and running within minutes and dramatically improve the online experiences of your users. So how is security handled in Microsoft Graph? Because uh, I, I know like a lot of enterprises, when you start talking about like data, like leaving their infrastructure, that gets a little bit you know, nerve wracking, especially for the yes. IT administrators. Yes. So um, Microsoft Graph has, like as I was saying before, all of this data across all of these different services, and each of the data sets has their own has a permission model, and we have a set of permission scopes that developers will need to choose. So, for example, if you want to interact with user profile information, so that there is a user scope, right? Like, mm -hmm. and then you will have to decide what level of access you will want. Do you want to just only read access? or read write access? Uh, do you want uh, at the user's level or at the organizational level? And depending on that, on those, mm -hmm. those toggles, then there are going to be different, way, different ways into which users will consent to it. So for example, if I get to, I get an application that wants to get access to my calendar mm -hmm. uh, because it's helping me, you know, manage my calendar throughout the day. I can consent to that because it's my calendar. Mm -hmm. Right? So I can grant that application access. But if that same application uh, wanted, wanted to then call to get your calendar, right? Like mm -hmm. then that uh, will not be able to access it because you have not consented to the application mm -hmm. and I don't have access to your calendar. So there is always that uh, authorization that happens to make sure that the application and the user have mm -hmm. permission to the data that is being granted. Now, at the large organizational level, right? Like for example, let's say we have an application that is running... Um, scanning on the mailboxes to make sure that users in the organization are not sending social security numbers or things like that, right? Like yeah. that's a, an organizational wide thing that there is no, the, the user context in there will, it's an administrator who will be consenting mm -hmm. to this application to be able to access all of this data at the organizational level and be doing these jobs, mm -hmm. right? So there is the, the different levels of, uh, granularity on the access control, depending on the data set that the developer wants to access and depending on the ownership of that data set. Okay. And then what if it isn't an organizational user? What if it's a, whatever we call a live ID these days, like a Microsoft ID, consumer. like a, a consumer yes, account? Yes, absolutely. So as well, if you are building an application for, say, 
John Doe at Outlook.com that has Outlook services or OneDrive services. Mm -hmm. You can absolutely do that with the Microsoft Graph and with the same authentication flows that we use for the organizational accounts. We actually have uh, combined endpoints for uh, consumer and commercial on uh, for both authentication and authorization and for the API. So if, say, for example, I was building an application that allows me to manage my work and my personal calendar, right? Like, mm -hmm. because we, we, you sometimes have things that need to work, come together. Yeah. So this application can read my personal calendar, can read my, um, my work calendar and allow me to like manage my time. So that application can do that, can do, read both, get access to both calendars uh, with the same code. I, like, I don't have to write like oh, that's different good. code bases or I, I don't yeah. have to like manage that in a different way. So I just, you know, it's, it's basically the same APIs across that's a relief. both services. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned earlier that there's uh, team support Microsoft Graph. Mm -hmm. Like what, what does that mean, you know, that there's you know, Teams is integrated with that. Yeah. So um, Microsoft Teams is, uh, I think we've already gotten to the one year of Microsoft Teams. I think so, yes. yeah. And uh, <laughs> been, it yeah, has been it's amazing, huh? widely adopted. It's amazing the, the number of organizations that are adopting Microsoft Teams across many, many different countries. And, um, well, Microsoft Teams foundationally are built on top of groups in Office 365. So every group you can then convert into a team. And so we have the APIs to do that. So imagine that you have in a previously had, um, I don't know, hundreds of uh, groups in your organization and then you want to add the team's capability so you can do that, automate all of that process using the Microsoft Graph. So that's one of the functionalities that we have in Teams, uh, in the Teams APIs. Then we also have, um, well, the same capability that we have in groups to adding memberships and managing the group membership mm -hmm. applies to teams because they are groups. And then we have the uh, APIs to creating channel messages, to creating channels, mm -hmm. to managing that life cycle of teams. And now we are adding new things around um, being able to control the entire life cycle. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we, we see a lot on our cross organizations is that they are spinning off teams for a particular project and then they want to archive it and then they want to, you know, just de decommission that group and then automate the process of creating groups and having that, um, workflow kind of end to end be, be taken care of by users. Mm -hmm. And there's like, for example, if you have settings on the team or if you have applications that you have already added to that team, mm -hmm. like all of that configuration, that not having mm -hmm. to do that manually and just like being able to run that uh, in an automated way, all of those are things that you can do with the yeah. Microsoft Graph. So I'm kind of curious, like Teams being as young as it is, like it's younger than the Graph. Mm -hmm. So when they started, did they have their own API or were they smart and they came to you right in the beginning? We have uh, for... for uh, Teams is well, actually for different services. We're all, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, graph uh, in itself is a is a federation gateway. So we we the data continues to be stored across many different services, mm -hmm. and uh, the graph knows where the data is and goes and and retrieves that data from those different data stores. Teams, some of the initial underlying infrastructure um, was having their own endpoint. And, and then slowly have been migrating and adding all of that functionality mm -hmm. to the graph. And now with uh, the convergence between Teams and Skype for Business, there is also additional work that we're doing to bring in more and more functionality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And then uh, Open API, which I, apparently is, I just heard this, is like the new name for Swagger. Yes. Uh, so what about Open API support? Um, so we are adding Open API support to Microsoft Graph. This is a thing that people have been asking us since... Uh, you know, since we started working on the yeah. graph, it's like, you know, Swagger is such a popular description format across right. the industry. Like everyone that is doing, uh, working with REST APIs is working with Swagger as well. And they, they, key point of that is the number of the community tools that are available, right? Like the interoperability between these tools. Swagger, um, well, is no longer because of SmartBear, uh, open sourced actually the description language and then it was, um, renamed OpenAPI. The V3, the, uh, version three of OpenAPI was released back in November and was the first time that we were able to actually describe the graph nature of the API. Oh, okay. That's cool. So you were waiting for some functionality. Exactly. <laughs> we were, we were looking, we were had some limitations on the V2 version so. that prevented us from like doing all of these resources and the relationships that are out there. So we've um, now worked with the OpenAPI team and added some of those capabilities. Microsoft Graph is basically based on OData. So we've built an OData to OpenAPI translation engine. And now we have the first version of the, the, of the OpenAPI v3 descriptions for the Microsoft Graph. It's not complete. And even if without, not, like, we have the resources and the level one relationships. And even with that, there are places where we're breaking some tools because that's the vast amount of number of resources mm-hmm. that are available in so the graph. So we're stress testing open API. Yes. yes. Yeah, we're stressing the, <laughs> stress testing the tools that are, that are based on the, yeah. the definitions. And, uh, and so we're working on like, how do we like slice and dice things here and there so that, you know, people can really take advantage of all of that ecosystem of tooling mm-hmm. that is available with open API. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Now you had mentioned that, uh, Graph is mostly a set of REST APIs, but is there also a set of like SDKs in various languages if I yes. don't want to have to make those REST calls myself? Absolutely. So if you are comfortable making REST APIs, then you're welcome to make all of the REST APIs, but I know that there's a ton of developers out there that prefer libraries. So we have libraries in many, many different languages, starting with .NET. We have .NET libraries. They support .NET Core. We have um, Java. We have library Java that we released not too long ago. We have JavaScript with typing definitions. So if you are into TypeScript, then you can also write uh, applications that interact with the graph. We have uh, Python and we have PHP. We have Android, iOS, uh, Ruby. I mean, there's a ton of languages that we support in terms of libraries. Yes. So if, you know, if there's a flavor that you don't see there and then you like to see it, you know, let us know because, you know, we've been making a lot of investment on having libraries available uh, on all of these different languages for developers to use. That's great. And then what about uh, graph support for power apps? Oh, that's another one that we have been working on. So, um, we have been working with the power apps, the logic apps and the flow team, like the entire family to, um, connect the a Power Apps ecosystem and, and empower citizen developers basically mm-hmm. to be able to connect mm-hmm. to the Microsoft Graph. Yep. So we have created a set of connectors that use the Microsoft Graph to different functionalities. So profile information, directory information. Oh, so this is Power mail. Apps integrating with with uh, with the graph then. Yes. So actually accessing the yes, graph. Yes, exactly. So every okay, time that, that makes a ton of sense. Power yeah, Apps yeah. interacts with that data is doing it through Microsoft Graph. Yeah. And then we've also built a set of templates so we have a meeting apps template, a booking rooms template, a sending kudos template. Like there's like 
12 templates that we've built uh, that basically just have like the app there and then you uh, you can customize it but it has already all of the functionality connects with the graph the my favorite is the one that, for meetings because it uh, as a as a information worker you can use that application out of the box in power apps and allows you to capture the meeting notes and allow, and then allows you to capture the tasks and um, and then after you have the meeting is done it sends it uses the graph to send an email uh, with the summary over Outlook oh, it uses cool. the planner APIs in Microsoft graph to put all of the tasks and it uses one note to pull all of the of, all of the notes for the meeting so that's a, you know a really cool integration of power apps on Microsoft graph you are the glue yes, <laughs> <laughs> that should just be your title the glue <laughs> Queen of the graph is also one that oh I'm that's good too <laughs> that's good so if someone wanted to get started with uh, graph development uh, how easy is it for them to get started super easy Super easy. The only thing that you need to remember is graph.microsoft.com. You put that in your in the URL, and then it'll take us uh, take you to the developer site that we have. Mm -hmm. We have uh, tools to get you up and running and making a request to Microsoft Graph in less than three seconds, which is the Graph Explorer. Even if you don't want to put in your account, yeah, there is a demo account in there that you can start playing and making requests mm -hmm. to the API, seeing what type of data sets you can get back. If you have three minutes, then we have the quick starts, uh, which in your preferred language, we have different set of projects, whether it is ASP.NET, Node.js, Angular, um, PHP, and things like that. More than that, then you can go to the quick starts, and in less than three minutes, you're going to have an app registered, and you're going to be able to download the code and just run it. And then we have all of the API reference, all of the documentation, all the, you know, once you are ready to go, once you're hooked in, mm -hmm. then you, we have all of the, all of the docs that you will be able to use to really uh, get into your development. Very cool. Now, I know you went over a ton of stuff, but is there anything that we left out? That you, that you wanted to talk about? Wow, yeah, we really talked about it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you I mean, you told us about five years worth of stuff in the past year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so maybe we I'll mention it. another one, which is sure. a thing that I also made a, uh, a call out in the keynote yesterday, which is the UWP controls. So we are investing a lot on how do we make it even easier, right? Like making a REST request is super easier, right? But how do we make it even easier for developers to interact with data that is in the graph? So we created this uh, UWP controls. We have controls for profile, for uh, people picking, for files and tasks. And then uh, if you are developing a UWP app with uh, just bringing one control into your app, then you have integration with information in the graph, right? Like, cool. mm -hmm. So many scenarios require for users to have a profile or, or a contact card or for selecting users within uh, uh, the organization or for bringing content from SharePoint. So all of those, like that's another one. And how to get to that is the Windows Community Toolkit. Okay. So aka.ms slash Windows Toolkit is where we will be redirect, redirected Perfect. to the GitHub repo. And we'll have all those in the show notes. Perfect. Yeah. So where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Yina, which is my first name, Y-I-N-A mm -hmm. underscore Arenas, which is A-R-E-N-A-S. Okay, perfect. And where can people find you, Carl? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, Yina, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about this. This is amazing guys how much work you've done in the past year. <laughs> Queen of the graph. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a lot. If it's not just me, of course, there's yep. a lot. An entire team, super smart people working on this, uh, having lots of fun, bringing all of the 
all of Microsoft together. This is truly a showcase of a one Microsoft project, all of us bringing it together, making it easier for developers to interact with Microsoft data. <laughs> 